India issues notice to renegotiate the 62-year-old Indus Water Treaty with Pakistan. Could this mean yet another flank opened in already tense India-Pakistan ties, as well as trouble in India's cooperation with the World Bank, which remember is a signatory to the agreement as well. Hello and welcome to Worldview at the Hindu with me, Sahasini Heather. This is episode 94. And we're going to try and untangle one of the least written about, perhaps, but most complex part of India-Pakistan ties, and particularly mechanisms, bilateral mechanisms between the two. This one over the distribution of rivers between the two countries. Now, of course, the question is, what is the Indus Water Treaty? And everyone talks about it, but it's very, it's a, it's a, it's a simple treaty, actually. You can go online and read it. There's a link. Uh, that you can read it at. It was negotiated over nine years. The Indus Water Treaty was then signed by Prime Minister Jawaharlal Nehru and a Pakistan President Ayub Khan in 1960 in Karachi. The need for the treaty actually arose just after partition when Pakistan began to worry about water channels that it continued to need for irrigation because remember this is the Indus River and its distributaries that come in from India to Pakistan. Of course, the irrigation supplies were part of the partition agreement signed. At one point, in fact, in 1948, India even stopped some of the water going into canals into Pakistan for a brief period. And of course, negotiations began immediately after that. After all the worries over that, the World Bank became the third signatory. In fact, at the time when it, it was actually negotiated and then finally treaty came out, former US President and Dwight Eisenhower described it as, quote, one bright spot in a very depressing world picture that we see so often. So as I said, the World Bank was a big part of it. So that, that made this treaty slightly different. It's a bilateral treaty that has stood the test of time. The treaty allocates the western rivers of the Indus. And you can see them on the map there. There's the Indus, the Jhelum, and the Chenab. Those western rivers go to Pakistan. The eastern rivers, the Ravi, the Bias and the Satluj uh, are actually given to India for its use. They still flow into Pakistan. At the same time, the treaty allows each country certain uses on the rivers allocated to the other. Basically, anything except water consumption activity is okay for India to do. Small run of the river, hydropower projects are also all right to do. Now, if you look at the maps, you can see where the two projects, because obviously there are so many projects planned in Jammu Kashmir and in Himachal Pradesh on these uh, tributaries or distri distributaries of the Indus. You can see where the two projects at the center of the current dispute are. The 330 megawatt Kishan Ganga hydropower project that began in 2007 was completed in 2018 and the 850 megawatt Ratle hydropower project that was started in 2013 and is still under construction. The first on the river Jhelum, the other on the river Chenab. Now, in Article 9, the IWT actually lists out a procedure for disputes if uh, they arise. And once Pakistan has raised that dispute on both of these hydropower projects, in fact, not for the first time on the Kishan Ganga, these are then classified as either a question, a difference, or a dispute itself. Both sides have to agree to try and resolve the issues through either the bilateral meetings of the Permanent Indus Commission, failing which the World Bank will appoint a neutral expert or constitute at the, uh, at the end a bench at the Hague's Permanent Court of Arbitrage. Now, in the past, 
India has won two major disputes. In fact, we're just talking in the last decade or so through these processes, including the Baglihar Dam, that in, uh, project that a neutral expert ruled on in 2007 in favor of India building that dam. And also the previous dispute I was telling you about on the Kishan Ganga project, which Pakistan said was interfering with its own Neelam River project. It calls the river Neelam when it moves in downstream. And in 2013, actually, the arbitration uh, ruled in India's favor. Uh, so it's not as if this process has not been tried in the past, uh, but certainly there has been a build-up to this particular event. So what exactly happened in the past week that really changed everything? First, on January 25th, as we said, India sent an official notice through the Indian Commission for Indus Water to their Pakistani counterpart. You heard the uh, MES spokesperson there calling for the modification of the Indus Water Treaty of September 1960 as per Article 12, Bracket 3 of the treaty. So a very specific notice going up. Listen in. Well, last week, as you said, we have issued, or rather our Indus Commissioner, India's Indus Commissioner for, uh, for Indus Waters, Commissioner for Indus Waters, issued a notice on 25th of January for the modification of the Indus Water Treaty of 1960 to his Pakistani counterpart. Uh, this notice was issued with the intent to provide Pakistan an opportunity to enter into government-to-government -government negotiations to rectify ongoing material breach of the treaty. We have called upon Pakistan to notify a suitable date for the commencement of interstate bilateral negotiations under Article 12.3 of the treaty within 90 days. I am not aware of a response from Pakistan as yet. I also don't know if I'm not aware of any response or comment by the World Bank. But of course, that wasn't just it. On January 27th, actually, the Permanent Court of Arbitrage Bench, appointed by the World Bank uh, at The Hague, began to hear a petition by Pakistan that objected to those two Indian hydropower projects in Jammu Kashmir, which it said were violative of the treaty. India has completely boycotted The Hague process, The Hague hearing, sending any judges there. Uh, the Pakistani government has been dismissive of India's notice as well, but we're still, as uh, the spokesperson said, waiting to hear back on Pakistan's final word. Meanwhile, what did the World Bank say over here? It's still considering its response to India's notice, but it has certainly said in a current statement that continues that the Indus Water Treaty is one of the most successful transboundary river water management treaties in the world. Its preservation has been amongst the World Bank's highest priorities. It also said that the ongoing disputes on the Kishanganga and Ratle are a risk to the treaty, given that they have not been resolved in 16 years, uh, and that the treaty has actually mandated the World Bank to appoint both a neutral expert as well as that uh, tribunal court, the court of arbitration, to resolve the issues. Now, this is where India actually differs with the World Bank. India feels that it had to have exhausted the neutral expert's position before moving on to uh, installing this court. So why did India take the extreme step of calling for a notice over the whole treaty? The first is that officials have said Pakistan's intransigence, you can look it up, has forced India to take the extreme step of reopening the whole treaty. It says Pakistan's been refusing all solutions that India has provided or offered since 2006. Secondly, after the Kishan Ganga Dam was completed, and the Ratle Dam began construction, Pakistan actually has escalated this to a difference. It said it's no longer a question, it's a difference, asking the World Bank for a neutral expert, 
and then moved within months in 2016 to saying it's a dispute and saying you must appoint this arbitration tribunal. India says it had already accepted the first process of the neutral experts. So this meant now there will be two parallel and possibly conflicting processes. What if the expert and the court give opposite verdicts? Third, India feels the situation expo exposes a major flaw in the Indus Water Treaty that must be resolved. The main amendment, in fact, that India will seek if the IWT is renegotiated is to clarify the dispute resolution mechanism, what I just told you about. In addition, the World Bank's decision to allow both processes to go forward since October 22 really runs counter to India's stand. New Delhi possibly wanted to in indicate its anger to the World Bank for taking this stand as well. And of course, it all comes in the backdrop of all the other bilateral impasses, all the other bilateral mechanisms really not working right now between the two, other, other, the two countries. No political dialogue, no trade between them, no exchanges between them, no high commissioners in either of their missions, etc. And it's clear that bilateral ties on other fronts are bleeding into the Indus Water Treaty as well. Finally, there are obviously political reasons. The Modi government has always pitched itself with a very hard line on Pakistan. Remember, in the wake of the 2016 Uri attacks, uh, many ministers even in the government had suggested that India abrogate the treaty. Prime Minister Modi himself had said that blood and water cannot flow together. Very strong words there at a meeting with water officials on the Indus Water Treaty at that time. So what are the possible risks to India's decision to call for amendments to the Indus Water Treaty? Why is this such a big deal and, and where can this lead? So let's just take a look at all the risks uh, of really what could be the problem. Because what India has said is it wants to amend the treaty. And that's a part of the procedure in what is called Article 12 uh, of the Indus Water Treaty. But the first point is really that there is no indication that Pakistan will actually accept this proposal within the 90 days, in which case India will probably have to escalate to the next step, even call perhaps to abrogate the treaty. One doesn't know where this kind of escalatory ladder will actually lead. Secondly, even if Pakistan does accept India's demand to renegotiate, it could say we want to renegotiate other aspects of the Indus Water Treaty, bring those into question, demand more water from India or more restrictions on what India can or cannot do or what projects it can or cannot have. This would just make negotiations, even once they started, absolutely impossible. Remember, the Indus Water Treaty is an example of a successful international treaty. And this has been an example for the rest of the world. There's so many other disputes in Africa, in Central Asia, Azerbaijan as well, that look up to this treaty. And India stands to lose some face as a responsible international power if it actually goes ahead and calls to abrogate a treaty that has stood, as I said, the test of time. Also, matters could be compounded if the permanent court of arbitrage or the, nuclear, uh, the neutral experts actually rule against India. Since India has been an upholder of the rules-based international order, it has in the past, for example, accepted international arbitration on a maritime boundary dispute with Bangladesh, even though it lost it. So then India would be bound to accept what these experts then say. Also, by abrogating or amending the treaty, India is setting an international precedent for upper riparian and lower riparian countries that are up the river or down the river, and that will have repercussions as well. Remember, China is an upper riparian state 
on Himalayan rivers, including the Brahmaputra and other rivers. India can't object to Chinese projects uh, upstream if it refuses to accept Pakistan's ob uh, objections similarly. The Indus, in fact, actually enters in India, it re-enters India in Gujarat before going into the Arabian Sea. So, India is both an upper riparian and lower or last riparian state. So, it could really face many more issues if it decides to overturn this. Remember, India's decision to call for the renegotiation of the Indus Water Treaty could really open up a whole new can of worms on talks with Pakistan. Regardless of the obvious problems with Pakistan's behavior over this, once such a renegotiation begins, it will be hard to predict how long it will take and even whether the two inimicable neighbors can conclude such talks successfully at all. I hope this throws some light on what has been a very, very complex issue. Uh, and let's get you some book recommendations. And many of these are really for students of the Indus Water Treaty, beginning with books written by former Indian High Commissioners to Pakistan. So there's this one that I'm really looking forward to, In Pursuit of Peace, India-Pakistan Relations Under Six Prime Ministers. This is by, unfortunately, he's now the late Satinder Kumar Lamba, SK Lamba, used to be a special envoy as well. That book is coming out this month, so I'm quite excited about that. There's India's Pakistan Conundrum, Managing a Complex Relationship by Sharad Sabarwal. I think I've spoken about this one. The People Next Door, The Curious Case of India's Relations with Pakistan. It's a delightful book by former High Commissioner T.C.N. Raghavan. He also has an account in there of what happened between Nehru and Ayub Khan when he visited Pakistan to sign the Indus Water Treaty. Uh, then there is this book which is really interesting with a lot of essays called Imagining Indistan, Overcoming Water Insecurity in the Indus Basin. This is edited by Zafar Adil and Robert Worsing, a selection of essays on the subject, including a very brilliant essay, actually very interesting essay by Professor Srikanth Kondapalli. We've spoken about him often in the China context. He's written about water sharing in the entire Himalayan water basin. Then there is a book called Contested Waters, which I hope you like, India's Transboundary River Water Disputes in South Asia. So this again looks at all of South Asia by Amit Ranjan, because remember, there's a whole different context to the Nepal-India water negotiations or India-Bangladesh as well. Some books that are written on the Indus Water Treaty are really from one side or the other, a bit partisan, espousing the Pakistani view or the Indian view largely. But I'm going to show them to you in any case. There's the Indus Waters Treaty, Political and Legal Dimensions by Jaz Hussain. Uh, this is published by Oxford Press Pakistan. Also, Hydro Diplomacy, that's a new word for you. Preventing Water Wars Between Nuclear Armed Pakistan and India. Uh, this is by Ashfaq Hussain. These are both from Pakistan. And from the Indian perspective, there's the academic study of Indus Water Treaty and its impact. This is by Prasad Chikshe. And Indus Waters Story. This is a very, very, you know, sort of from the Indian point of view, tough book by Ashok Motwani and S.K. Sharma. Another book that you might find interesting is on the international perspective. So the Indus Water Treaty on Ongoing Water Disputes in Armenia, Azerbaijan. How to effectively get parties to the negotiating table strategic thinking. This is all online. Uh, you can read a bit about this. This is by Nancy Miles. Uh, but it is very important to see how the Indus Water Treaty is perceived around the world. And then the final book is an absolute delight. You can take the online Kindle version if you like. It's called The Routledge Atlas of South Asian Affairs by Robert Bradnock. And the reason I like it is it really visualizes for you uh, 
uh, the kind of similarity, the geography, the climate, the landscape that ties South Asia together and makes such disputes very important to resolve. Uh, last worldview, we spoke a little bit about this, about the future of problems really coming from uh, for South Asia, which will need an all of South Asia approach in their resolution. But that's all we have time for on this edition of Worldview from the team. Thanks for watching.